0: Hey, welcome to the default live podcast. I'm Corey and I'm Chris and this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're regular, welcome back. Alrighty, Chris, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Corey. Happy Monday. I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: Happy Monday. Doing well. I just realized that I'm pretty sure I start the episode the exact same way every single time with uh <laughs> all right, Chris. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I, I've I've totally thought about that too. I'm like, uh I need to come up with a better way to respond than just, yeah, I'm doing well.
0: I know. It's um I don't know, like how much thought I should put into this. At the same time, it's like <laughs> sort of just like filler, anyways, of just like introing and like needing some sort of segue to like get into conversation. But anyways, um, I'm doing good. Yeah, I just uh, got coffee with a cool person I met online um, on Twitter, so that was fun. And ready to rock and roll this week. I'm, uh, you know, last week I think I was talking about how I sort of felt a little bit all over the place and was still, you know, trying to figure out how to make this whole thing work and getting back from vacation. Uh, so I spent some time last night sort of outlining my day and the week, trying to implement some of the stuff we talked about last week. Um, so I have more to share on that, but, uh, feeling, feeling pretty good about, you know, the plan essentially.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I did the the same thing last night. Uh, just kind of looked at the next week and started scheduling items out and there's something about it that just feels really really good uh just sort of sets the the plan and puts you on the path where you you know here you know here's the things i want to accomplish this week and then you can just go execute
0: yeah yeah you know we had talked on friday about um i think i was telling you like i never really realized sort of the implications of wearing a lot of hats as an entrepreneur and sort of how you have to not only take responsibility for all these things, but you also have to do all the work as well. Um, And I think that's really kind of where a lot of this was coming from was there's like, you know, four different jobs I'm doing, you know, with being like sort of like the manager and the planning, the the planning guy, and then like the writer and producer, as well as the consultants, as well as the community manager. And so I'm trying to just like time block. So I have an idea I'm going to experiment with, But my plan is, um, trying to optimize for like, uh, or trying to reverse engineer what I want to end the week on. So I know I want to produce teardowns, want to produce podcast episodes. I want to produce a new guide for swipe files, sort of a new content type I'm working on a new article, another sort of newer content type, and then like one long form tweet thread, whether that's related to a teardown or not. And then, starting from there, like, how can I, uh, and then of course, like also, um, basically like doing the work of my other obligations with coaching, consulting, and sort of the other things, you know, that I need to do. But with those three kind of things in mind, cause the, those things will happen. Like they're already kind of on the calendar, but like these things are not on the calendar right now. Um, so with these in mind, like how can I engineer the week to look like that? So I'm going to kind of experiment with, uh, Monday and Tuesday both being like a writing podcasting day and that's it. And like, just that's all that's involved those days as much as I can help it. And then Wednesday, now I've, I've moved all of my recurring meetings and sort of one-off meetings to Wednesdays instead of Tuesday, Thursday cause I found that it was sort of spread out throughout the day and it wasn't like enough of these big chunks of time for me to get anything done. Um, so that'll be all my coaching meetings and then like some community stuff. Thursday will be probably all consulting and then Friday will be uh, like more writing, more community, uh, like planning for the next week probably. And then Saturday will be sort of my, my reading and learning day, uh, catching up with community, um, getting through sort of my, my my reading lists that I've accumulated through the week. That's, that's been one of the other like surprising things I've found too about myself is that, you know, I'll just kind of go down a rabbit hole or like be scrolling through Twitter. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's like a, a sub stack article going around or there's some sort of um you know even last week when we when we talked and he sent me the uh entries in Horowitz article about how Mark I think right uh it's mm-hmm. him who plans out his week and I was like I need to sit down and make time to read this but I don't want it to also take away from the work I need to do so uh I right. think Saturday now is going to be kind of the day that I devote to all the, the reading and push everything off until then and Milbury's actually been really helpful with that I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm getting to agree with that.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use, I would say the, the weekends are a good time for some of the, the learning to happen. And, um, because it's, it's like partly probably cause I would imagine you enjoyed as well. It's like partly entertainment, uh, either oh, yeah. reading <laughs> articles or, uh, I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos lately from. Yeah. Uh either like the Startup School channel or uh, MicroConf or for uh Saster, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um it's, My wife makes fun of me a lot. She's like, "Oh, you're watching lectures again?" <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Guilty. That's funny. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I, no, I really like the idea of um separating your days that way. I I know again, wearing the, the mini hats is, is definitely a challenge with the context switching and, and I've done better when I've been able to separate days like that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I, w- I was sort of intentional about and I'm I'm hoping that this will sort of be conducive to it but I'm, I don't know, it might just be like a weird quirk of mine or some sort of flaw even but I have a hard time doing certain work when I know that there's other certain works that needs to be done also. And so for example, like I'm, I'm wanting to do a lot of the writing and podcasting because to me, like that is the most important work that I can do. And if I was doing that all on Thursday, Friday, for example, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday would just be me thinking about Thursday and Friday all day long and being sort of distracted and kind of doing that work anyways. Um, and, uh, and so i'm trying to like front load and like literally prioritize the type of work that i do on each day um again so like the writing and podcasting the most important work i think for me and for swipe files uh and just building up the the library of content and marketing it wednesday the coaching um, thursday the consulting like if i did those first i think all my brain power would also be gone by the time i got to the writing and podcasting um so hopefully trying to engineer like this virtual virtuous cycle of like weekend you know, spent relaxing, recharging, reading, learning for me too. Like that's a big part of like what gets the engine moving for me and being able to like produce good content is just taking in a lot of good content as well. Um, and so getting that done earlier in the week, that way I can have more brain space, uh, for the coaching, coaching, consulting, and then wrap up with, uh, more writing, more community stuff. And so yeah, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. It kind of reminds me of uh, one strategy I've seen for software developers who are uh, maybe building a product on the side of their either full-time job or consulting is uh, waking up early and working on your side project first while you've got, Mm. you know, sort of your maximum brain power still and really devoting a couple hours uh, of your your best time to that. Uh, I, I feel like some of the the guys on some of the other uh, bootstrapper podcasts have a little competition going on right now. <laughs> I can wake up the earliest. Seriously, seen uh, Noah and Ben and a few of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah.
0: I I do wonder. Like I've never really been a morning person, but I think I've always done my best work in the morning. And uh, and that's one thing that I I think I learned the hard way last week was. I felt like there was a bunch of urgent things that needed to get done and just things I needed to kind of check off. So I would do them first. And then, you know, when one, two o'clock uh, came around and then it was time for me to sit down and, and write or sit down and, I don't know, think, strategize, I was just like completely burnt. Like I could not think whatsoever. And that's where was, I, I've missed the last two weeks writing a teardown simply for that fact. And uh, one, vacation, but also two, just basically not. Uh, doing it at the right time during the day or even in the right time during the week. Cause it was again, same thing, you know, when Thursday, Friday, last week rolled around, like I just, it w- wasn't there, like it wasn't going to happen. Um, so yeah, e- even I think that's a great strategy. I mean, if you can wake up early at five and knock out stuff before your day job, like that's probably your, your best shot. because, um, I couldn't imagine doing it at night after you've done a full day of
1: coding, like no thanks. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely tough.
0: Yeah, it's a hard one. So what's new with you? How how was your week?
1: Uh, Real quick, one other thing I wanted to ask about was you now have some uh, guests lined up for your new podcast, right? For Swipe Files?
0: Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know how much I've talked about it. It's already becoming hard for me to remember like what we've covered on the podcast and whatnot.
1: <laughs> um, I know, we have to stop talking outside of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Save it all for this,
0: for this one session. <laughs> but yeah, um, in case I didn't, I'll just sort of rewind and go back a little bit. But uh, I think I talked a little bit, but the essence being, I was trying to think of what's the best like, top of funnel thing I can do for swipe files to get people in the door and get eyeballs on it since I'm since a lot of swipe files the product is a lot of like writing and content and now also the community itself which is more kind of writing um, it didn't feel right for me to basically like do that as also as the marketing thing um, maybe I could do a play of like a kind of sub style you know every other is free and I still might experiment with something like that but really that being more of kind of a bottom of funnel getting people to convert into members not necessarily attracting new people so anyways I, I knew i sort of decided that I wasn't crazy i wanted to start another podcast under swipe files so <laughs> i've chosen a name it's called everything is marketing if i haven't mentioned that before and uh the concept there being actually going back to uh, hbr article um, called marketing is everything and sort of the subheadline being and everything is marketing uh it was it's actually i mean it was way ahead of its time this it was written in 1990, actually maybe even ni- 1989, sort of on the turn of the of the decade and sort of with the uh with the expansion of the internet the the author was talking about how marketing will now isn't kind of confined to um what you see on a billboard or on a TV ad. Now it's every interaction with a brand, every experience, every place that you see them around the internet. Um the people who are using it like marketing is not just uh, sort of the ads and the placements, but it's every experience interaction and the brand as a whole. Um, and so that's sort of my, my take on it is now talking to marketers and people who probably wouldn't even consider themselves marketers um, about all the things that they do that encapsulate marketing, You know, whether it's running a podcast, a YouTube show, building trust with an audience, a newsletter. Um, doing sales, like all those things are marketing. So it's a very kind of broad, expansive view on all the things that, uh, that encapsulate marketing. So figured out the name and as you just alluded to, yeah, I just started, uh, reaching out to the first guests, which has been a lot of fun. I'm actually planning on dropping sort of a behind the scenes, um, like how, like my whole process for that within the Swifiles community. Um, and I, I wanted to address something too, cause I keep forgetting is that I, I alluded on, um, on Twitter that I reached out to Seth Godin about something and my hope and plan was for him to be like the first guest on the podcast. Um, and I sort of knew it was a long shot because I had heard somewhere sometime that he didn't do, do any podcast appearances until after the hundredth episode. But I was like, you know what, why not? I'll just, you know, give it a shot and I'll just, I'll just reach out to him. Uh, send an email, like literally like five minutes later, sent me a reply back and was like, Hey, sorry, I can't. I only do podcasts, um, uh, after 50 episodes just because of, you know, I I don't want to be sort of a flash in the pan, um, part of that. So I was like, great, I'm going to produce 50 episodes as quickly as I can. (laughs) That way I can follow up with them and get them on the podcast. So that's my motivation now. It's my chip on the shoulder. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm literally trying to book as many people as I can, uh, just to get to Seth Godin. But he said that he would. So I've got him on the hook.
1: That's amazing. That's so awesome.
0: Yeah, it was, I, I, it was a, a bit sobering uh, with my high fly dreams. But um, back to reality and, and now much more vo- motivated too, which is good.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I, I really like how I, and I don't know if you have planned this as your sort of grand long term strategy or not. But I like how You're continuing to provide more and more value to people interested in swipe files, and and so it started out with uh, the teardowns, which is, you know, your singular point of view, which is, in my opinion, an expert opinion on uh, these different uh, landing pages and marketing sites. And then you expanded that into the swipe files community, which is now sort of this discussion area and people are bringing different viewpoints to the table and now you've sort of got this third pillar which will be the podcast and deeper dives with uh, you know notable experts in the field as well so yeah that's that's really cool
0: yeah I mean that that is the the master plan is um trying to get as many people I mean it's very much a volume play and so one the more valuable I can make the membership the better because then it hopefully will get sort of the conversion rate up and I'll make it a easier play. And then two, how can I get as many people or get it in front of as many people as possible? And uh, I'm hoping that the podcast will be part of that as well as probably the newsletter and my, and my Twitter following. So, but yeah, that, that is the master plan It's just to keep adding value in, in new ways um, and sweetening the pot.
1: Yeah. And we, we've mentioned it a couple of times here, but I'm still so, impressed with how quickly the swipe files community has started. And, uh, it's, it's very interactive. It's I I've already learned a few things just from going through and and reading some of the posts and I I like the idea of, uh, maybe some of the different theme posts that you're thinking about. Like the, uh, I believe it was called the think tank Thursdays. Mm Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to start a community and and to see it really take off like that has been awesome
0: yeah it's been a lot of fun and actually speaking of which that's going to be one of my uh one of my updates so it's a nice little segue here is that um today i'm going to be sort of officially opening it up to the public um so launching it to the newsletter and announcing it on twitter but i've been sort of doing like a you know invite only not that it what was like exclusive or like a clubhouse kind of thing where i was like you know waving at your face like huh, eh, you can't get this but more just me kind of reaching out privately and and uh, and curating from the beginning but today i'm going to be launching it so uh that'll be exciting. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So, tell cool. me about yourself. What's new?
1: Yeah. Um things are going well. It's uh, <laughs> i feel like i can finally say that now. Uh, it's funny, I was thinking about how when we started the podcast uh you know f- end of August and most of September were just kind of struggle months for me um with jet Boost and uh just with maybe a little bit of burnout or whatever mm-hmm. uh and so finally, I can have some hopefully more positive episodes <laughs> of of the show but yeah, it's, uh, things are going really well. Last week uh, was good on a, a number of fronts. I uh, started working with the second Webflow freelancer. So now I've got two projects going in parallel, uh, building out what are going to be free clonable resources for the Webflow community that that utilize JetBoost. Um, and I think these are going to be the, the the design I love the design of them I think they're gonna be really useful resources for um, someone looking to build uh, sites in webflow and being able to just clone like a fully working site and um, get started right away so I think that'll be uh, very valuable for the community and i'm I'm really excited about it and both projects uh the previews that I've seen so far are you know, I just look at it. I'm like, this is so much better than anything I could do myself. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's that's very uh, validating in the yeah. fact that like outsourcing this work was the the right move.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I yeah. really they. From what I've saw, I think from just one of them um, looks really really great. Uh, I was thinking for myself, for him, pay hey marketers like, man, I wish I had this when <laughs> I was starting. Like literally, you can just click clone. And then like plug in sort of, the, you know, the different things that you need. And then like you're done, like you, you have a job board. It's, it's pretty nuts right. how quickly you can get up and running even more. It's, it's probably going to be like the, f- the fastest and most efficient way to start something like that. Um, out of all the, you know, different solutions out there. But, um, I, yeah, I'm excited f- for you for a couple different like friends. I think it's a great sort of engineering is marketing, like anyone looking to do it. Now you have a, a great resource for them. Also, you get to kind of like, um, create JetBoost customers. Hopefully, you know, like you're kind of growing your own market here. Like the amount of job boards that are out there or the amount of what other, other kind of, um, clonables there are going to be in templates. Uh, but yeah. And, and then also you build some, some goodwill in the process. You know, there's like, there's no better way to get in front of people and like start showing the, the power of the product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Up until this point, every JetBoost clonable site has been just like a demo site that I put together, um, you know, more just showing off the features, but not really like, like these are clonable job boards. Like it's an actual use case for an actual business that someone might build, uh, which I think is, is really cool. And when I first started using Webflow to me, one of the biggest differentiators from any other product was the fact that there are so many of these clonables available, um, mm-hmm. whether they're full sites that are clonable or, um, just components. Um, so like the, there's a flow base, which is run by this guy, Tom, and he makes all of these different navigation bars and like mega navigation menus and makes them all free clonables. And. I've used them in uh, a number of my projects. I use one on the, the JetBoost website and it's, it's just incredible that you have this resource and it reminds me of, of GitHub and sort of the open source movement in software Uh, development. And yeah, which to have that in now a no code tool uh, is so, so powerful where you can just like you said, get up and running almost immediately, uh, and then just fill in your, your data, your branding. Uh, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, unmatched. I mean, it's still very early days for no code and for webflow. So I think that this, this kind of thing will, will get you far being so early on and being able to kind of plug in so quickly. So I'm excited to see, uh, sort of what the fruits of it are in the short term and the long term. you know, just be able to kind of watch that go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that is coming out of this work is uh, another thing that I'm really excited about uh, is so prior to hopefully this week, (laughs) um, (laughs) whenever you cloned a Webflow project that used Jetboost, you then had to go and reset up uh, everything in your own Jetboost account. Whatever filters it was using, or search, or favoriting any of the JetBoost products, you still had to do it. It wasn't as difficult as starting from scratch, um, but you still had to somewhat reconfigure everything. And last week, I, I just had this realization and finally figured out a way to do it where if you clone a Webflow site that's using JetBoost, you should also be able to clone the Jetboost setup, basically. Mm. Uh, So I'm very close to having this import feature working where it'll automatically recognize that you cloned a site that's using Jetboost and it will pull in all of the Jetboost setup into your Jetboost account. I think it's going to be really awesome for getting people onboarded and set up quickly. Uh, So I'm kind of just having fun again with the product and. (laughs) uh just trying to build things that i think will will be really cool for people
0: yeah that's so cool man it's crazy i one i think it'll be awesome just for the clonables because like if you can also clone the jet boost uh you know boosters and add-ons like why wouldn't you i I would assume that you would have like a really high adoption rate you know because like if you're cloning something you kind of just want to take everything with you and then choose what you want to use or remove later. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what that does for you because I think that'll probably boost, uh, sort of the top of funnel, you know, trials and people getting into jet boost, but also as a, as a non-technical person, that kind of stuff is just like mind blowing to me. Like it's literally magic because I, you know, you say something like, Oh, I finally figured out a way to do this. And to me, I'm just like, like where what would you even how do you even start on something like that? you just what do you mean you figured out a way to do this like what you uh I can't even comprehend what that means, but I don't know it's <laughs> it's crazy how the internet works
1: yeah, that's funny uh I guess the the reason I say that is uh I've done so much <laughs> snooping around the uh the web flow designer and trying to understand how it works and their internal APIs and all of that. Uh, So I knew they kept track of like which sites were cloned from which sites, but they didn't, they don't expose that to like through their CMS API or, or basically any way for third-party developers. Um, So I I talked to uh, someone on their team about possibly exposing that property. So then I could build this JetBoost feature where you could, you know, it would be able to know which site it was cloned from and, and then copy over the, the jet boost configuration. But hmm. that hasn't happened yet. And I don't know if it will happen. Uh, so, you know, I was a little bit frustrated there. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I think it was just one of those times, you know, in the shower or whatever, where all of a sudden it hits you like, Hey, there's another way I could get around this using the available tools, uh, and integration points that Webflow does already provide. Uh, so it's, it's not as great of a solution, but it will still work. And so to me, like that's been the whole Genesis of JetBoost really is like figuring out how to do things, even though there's no official integration points. Mm, Um, and so it's kind of fun to unravel that and and figure out how to make all that work. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: You're the you're the um the Jane Wong of of Webflow, like constantly <laughs> deconstructing and looking at, you know, what's under the hood and what's coming up. That's crazy. Yeah, cuz I mean, again, as a non-technical person, I, I it, it makes sense conceptually like, okay, yeah, you're looking through the code and you're you're really sort of building mental models on how this works and seeing the connections. But um, it's those, I, yeah, it really is those kind of shower shower moments where you're like, oh, this might be interesting, or I guess, you know, I could see how this works. I, I had a similar moment, I feel like, a while back when um, when I was trying to figure out a good way to show a preview of the teardowns in Webflow, and uh, before I was like, I had two separate CMSs, and I was cloning everything, so it was like, okay, here's all the free ones in this CMS. And then here's all the paid ones in this CMS. And then I would create one for each. And then i basically just like archive or delist the free one once it became sort of paid only. And uh, and that was a huge pain because I was literally just copy and pasting. And, you know, the way that it's set up, it's like each CMS item is the image or is the the paragraph for each image. So it was I was copying like literally like a hundred times for each one. And then I had this epiphany of like Oh what if there was like a toggle switch and i just duplicated all the items within one cms and then sort of turned on one set if it was free and turned on another set if it was paid um but it's uh i don't know it's the it's the knowledge worker problems you know it's like you have to wait for those epiphany moments or for your mind to kind of like marinate and let it let it happen organically
1: yeah that's the exact same process in my mind whether it's using code for the solutions or using no code uh, which is why i think a lot of the work is is very similar it's it's all creative work problem solving uh finding solutions uh it's just the the only difference is, is whether you you know understand the the syntax and principles of writing code or not and yeah, so to me, I think, that's why I think like doing no-code development is, is just as valid as, uh, as writing the code yourself. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, it's helped me on, again, as a non-technical person. Eventually I would like to learn some basics of programming, um, but the more I get into no-code, the more I feel like no-code makes sense, or I'm sorry, the more I do no-code, the more programming makes sense. of so just uh, how things are connected what you're plugging into even like Webflow, you know, learning sort of CSS and how the web works between HTML and CSS and JavaScript and what each of those are. But uh, yeah, they're they're still both very valid.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Webflow in particular is a great tool for uh, I think introducing code concepts, particularly like you said with, with HTML, CSS and JavaScript. Uh, I've seen a number of people who started with Webflow and then started learning code through that, Hmm. uh, like, like yourself. So yeah, I think, I don't know, it's, it's great to have both of those options. Um, as you know, like myself, someone who does write code, it's still much faster to, uh, build certain types of things in Webflow Hmm. and, uh, uh, it's funny sometimes when i'm when i'm on like a you know maybe a, a startups uh marketing site and i look at it and I, I i have this chrome extension that shows me like what it's built in mm. and whenever i see it's built in custom code there's a little part of me that's like
0: ooh uh. <laughs>
1: you could probably have just done this in webflow uh. like it'll be easier for your whether you have one or not now like your marketing team eventually to make yep. changes and uh, I would I would never build a marketing site with code again. Oh yeah, I would always use Webflow. Oh
0: uh, yeah, I'm 100% in the camp that no marketing site should be custom code. Like no matter how like cool it is to well, actually one of my coaching clients, um, I love him to death, but he was showing me it's sort of like how he's like assembling the marketing site programmatically through through Rails. I was like, that's so cool. But, like, could you imagine how much you could do if you didn't have to do any of this? <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's like counterproductive in some ways because you engineer this whole big system to do very simple things. And then, once you want sort of a different system or you want to do something else, then you have to engineer a new system or you have to change the system. And, uh, like, at Bearmetrics, we had WordPress as our CMS, but then, like, the actual pages themselves were all custom coded. And so anytime there was like a change or a tweak or like swapping out a link, fixing a typo, it was a pull request. It was, Hey engineer, Mm -hmm. can you please go change this? Or what about this? And then I'm taking away time from the engineers instead of me doing it myself. And then I, I have no ability to experiment. I have no ability to, you know, just go in there and see what this would look like or create a couple of prototypes. Like literally I'm sort of at the mercy of then, you know, everything actually, it goes through our designer and Martin was, uh, fantastic. But then I also felt bad with, you know, it, it's too much, too much work for what it's worth to just make simple tweaks and, uh, try to iterate.
1: Yeah, totally. I've been on the other side of that where I worked at companies yeah. that the, the landing page was, a just a rails page and yeah, the either like customer service team or marketing team is like, Hey, can you make this this wording change or layout change? And uh, as a as a developer, you're like, it it's just like it's the last thing you want to do is go yeah. mess with the marketing site when you're trying to uh, work on the the product itself. So
0: yeah, I mean, it, it's like being a rocket scientist, and then someone coming to you and being like, Hey, you're a rocket t- scientist. Like, can you? Like, see what's wrong with my car, and you're like, really? Like, what? This does not – they're not really the same thing. Like, one is way different than the other. What I do professionally is way more sophisticated. But, like, they're kind of the same thing, and it's a waste of time, ultimately. Like, if, if they can learn to do – I don't know if that's the best analogy, but the uh, best I can come up with, it's, it's a total – Waste of time. Team Webflow. Team No Code. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's maybe a little too much credit comparing developers to rocket scientists, but uh, I, I see where you're going with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and much. even uh, just this week, I think maybe yesterday, uh, there was a Webflow designer who put out uh, a rebuild of the the latest uh, iPhone 12 landing page. Yeah, and they, there's been uh, other Apple pages that have been do, redone in Webflow, and so if if those can be rebuilt in Webflow, like there's no excuse that <laughs> there's uh-huh. no reason your landing page needs to be custom and code, like, in my opinion.
0: Rebuilt in like a week, like I'm yeah. sure <laughs> I'm sure Apple, you know, they have there's lots of bureaucracy, there's lots of reviews, lots of stakeholders, lots of design and sort of you know ideation but i also think that you know if if it can be done in a week in another tool and it took them i don't know probably like the entire year right working on it or at least the last like 6 months um, that's a better way you know it's there's got to be something better there it yeah even the fact that it can be replicated is just a like you you would never replicate right. another a page like that in code you could be like oh my gosh this is going to be so much work having to line by line and piece by piece to recreate this. But within Webflow, it's a lot speedier.
1: Yeah, yeah, really impressive. Hey, by the way, how did
0: the um, the auto archiving sort of launch go? I know, I think last time you said that it was available and you were sort of launching it. Um, is there anything you can share on like how that went and what the adoption's like so far?
1: Yeah. Um... <laughs> it's funny. So yeah, the official launch was last Monday. The adoption so far has been, I would say, probably slightly slower than the the favoriting, which was the, mm. the third product. Um, but I somewhat expected that. It's actually been maybe a little bit even quicker than I expected as far as adoption. Uh, so th- there has been uh, a number of people who have started using it. Uh, and started paying for it. So, and they've all found it to be really helpful so far, which is, uh, you know, the, the best feedback that you can get. Uh, but what was surprising and maybe related or maybe not was, uh, last week, new revenue wise was the second best week ever for Jetboost. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just coincidence that a bunch of people's projects started going live uh, hmm. either for themselves or for their clients. And that's when they, you know, uh, make the decision to upgrade to a paid plan. But uh, for whatever reason, whether it was re- related to, to the auto archive launch or not, uh, yeah, overall last week was was really, really good from that standpoint.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so maybe that was like a part of it, or, um, mm-hmm. but probably not the whole picture. Again, right? Right. Yeah, that's cool, though. I mean, I, I would sort of the the first box to check for for me would be like, are people are going to actually pay for this and like use it and install it and like are are enough? You know, that makes me kind of feel good about it. And it sounds like there's already been a decent amount in the last week, right? So that's really good. Probably feels good to check that box.
1: Yeah, it's the auto archiving to me feels more of like a long tail product, like the search favoriting uh, or search and filters are what I would consider like the flagship products. Uh, The favoriting is a little more niche. It's it's more geared towards like membership sites um, and then the auto archiving as well. Uh, But yeah, I think the, I'm happy to keep building these, like I said, more long-tail products that only a subset of people need uh, because they're still finding it useful and uh, it, it just continues to grow what's available via JetBoost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats, man. That's good to hear. I'm excited to uh, yeah. see how I'm excited for the next uh, investor update to uh, to see how the, <laughs> all the numbers and sort of to like get behind the scenes
1: peak. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. I mean, one milestone I will share is so last February, uh, is when I made the decision to quit consulting and go full-time on JetBoost. And to be honest, like I was taking a pretty big leap of faith, uh, at the time JetBoost was doing only a couple hundred in, uh, MRR yeah. and you know, so there was like financially, it didn't make any sense, but it was starting to take up so much of my time. It was bleeding into the time I had available for consulting. Uh, it was taking up so much mind share because like that's what I wanted to be working on, not mm. uh, the the consulting work. So yeah, in February, I gave my client 30 days notice um, that I was gonna be ending the engagement. And yeah, just kind of took this leap of faith and now uh, this month really feels like the month to me where Jetboost has reached the the default alive point because it has uh, surpassed, the revenue has surpassed uh, what I was doing through consulting at the time. Wow. So uh, it feels like a really, really big milestone. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So, so the revenue yeah. being so MRR probably hasn't quite caught up to like, uh, consulting and or salary, but the revenue itself, since you're capturing some of the value out front with annual plans and, or just kind of expansion, uh, revenue as well. Right. That's kind of factoring in and, uh, that's what exceeded it.
1: Yeah. So actually MRR has surpassed it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I guess I say revenue because like when you're doing consulting, you're basically, you have no expenses other than mm. paying taxes. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of capturing all of that. Uh, whereas running a software product, obviously you have a lot more expenses that go into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of feels like, okay, this is now s- sustainable. I think it's allowed me to relax a little bit. And, uh, like I said earlier, just focus on having fun again, providing solutions for, um, you know, the, the, the Webflow community, which. I've loved being a part of, and uh yeah, really excited to, to keep moving forward from here.
0: That's cool. Default Alive. Congrats, my friend.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, awesome.
0: Well, anything else happening in your world? Any other updates or things in your mind?
1: Uh Just one thing I wanted to ask you about that yeah. I've, uh especially last week, started facing is, like, it's it's gotten to the point now where... I'm like, I'm no longer able to respond to everyone in what I consider to be a timely manner. Mm. Uh, so I sort of have like the order of operations is, you know, Jetboost support always comes first, always try to get back to those people as soon as possible. Uh, and then I would say anyone replying to the Jetboost welcome emails, try to get back to them within, uh. I shoot for two days, but, uh, sometimes that's like three or four days. Yeah. And then after that, it's, uh, you know, just people reaching out about either like software ideas or business or, um, kind of more miscellaneous things that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. jet boost specific. And those are the ones that are starting to fall through the cracks now where like, I I'm super grateful that people think like my opinion matters at all. Uh, but it's also like, I don't know if you experienced this, but I I get this like constant anxiety where I see like these emails in my inbox that I need to reply to, but just like, don't have time to get to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, okay, this person's like waiting for a response. Like they took the time to reach out, uh, which is why when you said that you reached out to Seth Godin, and you replied within five minutes. I mean, I can't, <laughs> I don't even know how he, he does that because I can't imagine how many emails and, and whatnot he receives. So mm. yeah, curious if, if you have experienced that at all or any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think I started to experience that a bit at Matrix and then, um, you know, just like customers would reach out and sort of want like a second pair of eyes on something or that's actually kind of how I started doing a little bit of the coaching and mentoring was, you know, it was like, hey, I can't do this like forever. But also, like, if you wanted someone sort of brainstorm for you, I'd be happy to. You know, and that way, I can sort of prioritize it more. Um, and then, yeah, I think especially now that I've gone full time on my own stuff, it's been quite a few, like, a good stream of emails that come in. Um, not a lot, but just enough to feel guilty about, <laughs> guilty <laughs> about not responding to. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what the best solution is to that yet. Um, it actually had me thinking the other day, like. Uh, like, man, like, I never want to be famous, which is, like, a weird thing. But, like, I couldn't imagine just sort of having a personal brand that, like, a lot of people are, like, you know, like a Seth Godin or, like, a, even if it's in, like, a very kind of specific small world of people. Um, the amount of, like, stuff that people just want from you is crazy. Actually, uh, Tim Ferriss wrote this article. I'll have to link it in the, sh- in the show notes. But he was, like, it was something like 11 reasons why you don't want to be famous or something like that. And, um, stuff he has to deal with, you know, with like stalkers and death threats or like not being able to share his location, having like, you know, a private phone number, stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. Anyways, to, to get back on track, I, what I've been considering doing is having an email autoresponder that just says like, Hey, I might not if I don't get back to you in the next week. Like, please feel free to ping me again to kind of bump it up. Um, but also, like having more of like a FAQ kind of thing. Ryan Cole actually, I think this is how he built. He built like a little side project called FAQ something. But basically, he like for all the emails that he got, he started just building out like this sort of repository of uh, answers to questions and um, frequently asked questions. And I think that's how he did it most of it and he sort of ignores his email most of the time now. Hmm. So I don't know, maybe it's a mix of like email autoresponder, um, like snippets of text. You can just kind of like have saved. Maybe you just like have something like a private page to send people to that might answer some questions Um, or maybe just start saying no. I don't know. That's also a big part, probably one of the solutions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've had to do that with, uh, again, it's like, it's awesome for people to ask, uh, I've had people ask me to be a part of like their products beta, uh, especially in, in the no code space. Um, and I used to always say yes, but then I would never actually do anything with the product and I felt bad yeah. about it. I just, it's like, I did, I didn't have the time, uh, when I maybe naively thought I did so. Now, I, I, you know, if someone asks me to be a part of their beta, I do have to say no at this point, um, you know, and obviously thank them for for their interest. But like, I know that if I say yes, I'm not going to hold up my end of the bargain. Like, I, mm. I'm just, I'm not going to have time to go check out their product and play around with it unless it's specifically something that I might be interested in using for Jet Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, a lot of the sort of other no code, no code tools that might be coming out for Webflow, flow. Um, people want me to look at obviously, cause I, I have experience in that area, but if it's not something I would use myself, then at this point, like I, I just don't really have the time to do that.
0: Yeah, actually I I was thinking more in context of email, but I do get a pretty good amount of DMs on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, I'm actually, I feel really bad about, but like I almost never log in. And Same. I have hundreds of unread <laughs> DMs, most of which are pretty spammy, but I know that there's actually like a good amount of people who have reached out genuinely that I just haven't been able to look at. Um, Twitter, I do a pretty good job of like keeping my DMs and uh, responding to people. But especially recently, I've just been telling people no, like, hey, super sorry, but like I don't have the time. Or people asking like, can I ask a couple of questions or like congrats on going full time? You know, I'd love to... Uh, love to catch up or like get 15 minutes of your time to like contribute to an article and I've just been telling people like thanks for thinking on me I'm flattered unfortunately I don't have time to like meet um, and only have time for like a specific kind of set of ways that I can be helpful can you please send me an email and I'll see if I can help out and then like not uh, you know not putting myself in a position where I can't hold up then that end of the bargain like you said
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah. No, Yeah. I think that's really the only answer. And, you know, both of us can put ourselves in their shoes too, and still do now. Like you're trying to reach out to Seth Godin. I've reached, <laughs> I still reach out all the time to, uh, you know, people that I don't know and, and looking for specific advice or, or questions or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discourage anyone from doing that. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, I think there's, you know, one of the things I think I've
0: learned t- too is um, the more specific the ask, the better, um, especially for things. I mean, I've had people reach out to about, hey, can you, you know, I just had a guy yesterday uh, reach out. It's it's a really cool product for anyone. Uh, it's called Goalsy. Um, and he was like, hey, you know, do you track your goals somewhere? Do you track your, track your tasks? And I said, you know, thanks for thinking of me. Um, you know, just took a look at the site, and I told him you know I use Rome Research for all of my sort of notes and to-dos, and I asked if it integrate with anything, and he said no. I said, you know, thanks for your interest, but I think I don't think I'm the right person for you. You know, I basically do everything in Rome, and I don't have mm-hmm. like a very like businessy process for goal tracking, um, and so I told him no, and uh, he was like, that's fine, but I'll give him a shout out on the podcast, and for anyone who is, you know, I'll recommend him. But, uh, you know, if he was like, Hey, can I get feedback on the landing page? Or I actually think it's a really fantastic landing page. And I'm probably going to ask him if I can feature it and ask him some questions about it. Uh, or oh, if, nice. you know, for you, if he was like, you know, if someone was like, Hey, uh, can I get your feedback on like the onboarding for what I'm working on? Or, uh, if you think this is the right sort of fit for this problem, you know, then you might mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I could come in and spend five or 10 minutes, but when it's like, can I get your feedback or can I have you try it or like use it or can I pick your brain? It's like, I don't know if, you know, that's just, that's too broad, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually someone who's been really good about that is, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. Starwetch who runs uh no code lytics. Yeah. So he has reached out to me. Uh, he reached out to me in the beginning when he started working on it and, uh, he's done exactly what you said, which is, he asked me one time to look at his onboarding specifically. Uh, and yeah, I, I just like took two seconds, like looked at it, um, you know, gave a couple pointers, but for the most part, it was, uh, it was pretty good and didn't really need anything from me. Uh, and it's also a product that I'm now using myself, um, on JetBoost, So, uh, yeah, I think that's, Making the the ask specific is probably a good recommendation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I think honestly, probably the best um, solution for you and reminder for me is to say no more. Um, I'm a big fan of a, I, I read it a long time and it's on my reread list. But uh, essentialism by Greg McKeown, and he's all about like what's the one thing. Oh, there's also another book, The One Thing. Both of them are very much about like have a very select few things you say yes to and it's just like an automatic yes there's also Derek Sivers you know hell yes or no um and then like everything else say no like basically you need to be very specific and sort of know ahead of time what you say yes to and what you say no to um I think that's important especially as a knowledge worker but also as an entrepreneur uh and I'm glad you brought that up
1: cool yeah yeah, it's, it's something I'm trying to figure out still.
0: Well, updates maybe next week or the week after. We'll see uh, <laughs> what you come up with.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. All right. Well, shall we wrap it? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, we'll have as many of the links and mentions we can remember in the show notes. And if you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, or both. We have our Twitter handles um, in the show notes. But, uh, if you have a DM or a question for us about the podcast, that'll be one way to get a quick response out of us. So feel free to do that. Definitely. Otherwise we'll see you in uh, the next episode.